podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back. And it's been a very long time, 10 days actually, um, to the Anfield Talk YouTube channel. Obviously, the TAT pod live and direct on YouTube uh, since last season, to be fair. But um, yeah, we're here. We're good. We had a little break. I know a lot of other channels were doing like draft games and just sort of fillers. And I just thought, you know what? Let's just chill. Let's just have a have a break and we'll come back and we'll go ham. Because, Mike, we've got games coming thick and thin, mate, over the next few weeks. How are you feeling, mate? Mate, I'm feeling refreshed. It's been, I think I think me and you needed a break from each other. I think we must have seen each other more than <laughs> our families uh, for the start of the season. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, nah, mate, it was, it's... I think the international no one likes them. I don't even think international people that enjoy international football enjoy them too much. Um, but listen, we, games come thick and fast now for all the prem teams and uh, you know teams in Europe like ourselves. It'll be a uh, sorry, it sounds like a slide to get a Wolves fan there. I didn't mean that, but uh, it's you know it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see, see what's going to happen, man. I think there's a lot to lot to come. Absolutely, and uh, we've got special guest uh, representing Wolves. I know at first glance you might think it's Diogo Jota. It's not. It is Paul <laughs> from Always Wolves Fan TV. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, thank you for having me on the podcast, and what a pleasure to be compared to such um, <laughs> such a hero as Diogo Jota. He's still held in very high regard by the Wolves supporters. Absolutely. Um, there was that famous tweet. I don't know if you saw it. Um, that always gets retweeted when Jota does a madness. And I think it was a Wolves fan saying, we've absolutely fleeced Liverpool for 40 million. Um, and that comes out every time. So um, me and Mike are hoping it comes out on uh, on Saturday evening. We'll see. Uh, but guys, I don't know how many of you are in here because StreamYard is bugging. Um, and I'm not going to leave and come back because I can't be bothered, quite frankly. But yeah, make sure you smash the like button if you are. Um, let's talk about the game. And Anfield lad obviously is in the chat. Of course he's always. Right. Always, of course, he's um, and a good friend of mine, Jay Hart, says hi, Benji. Not sure why he called me Benji, that's a bit weird. Um, and Georgie says, Big up TAT club football is finally back, and it is indeed. Um, let's go straight to the guest, Paul. We want to talk about your start for, to the season, and I know you might not necessarily want to talk about it, but um, this is how we always start preview shows we go to the guest and we just sort of get a summary of the season so far and um looking at your results you lost to united one nil you lost to brighton four one you beat everton so thanks for that because we are all hoping that they go down uh then beat blackpool well you didn't beat blackpool you absolutely obliterated blackpool in the cup five nil uh you lost to palace away and you sit 15th in the table um so just yeah just summarize what the wolves fans are feeling about the start of the season and you know obviously change the manager as well uh, um, how's that affected things? Yeah, I think overall it's probably not far off we thought what we thought we would have in terms of points. We've had a very difficult start. Man United away, Brighton at home, those were our first two matches. Palace is never an easy place to go and get a result as well. And I think if you take our performances, probably we should have more points than three because maybe you saw us against Man United on that Monday night yeah. football. We played really well. We had a stonewall penalty not given in uh, additional time. So really, we probably should be on four points and we're on three. It's probably there or thereabouts what we expected, to be honest. Yes, we would have liked more, but I'm not too disappointed overall with the start that we've made. What I will say is Gary O'Neill's come into the job very late. He only picked up the reins, you know, about a week or less than a week even before the start of the season. So he hasn't had time yet to put his imprint on the squad. 
So we've seen four very different performances. We don't know mm. what kind of team we are yet, but three points from four matches is probably there or thereabouts compared with what we expected. Yeah, I think in terms of your performances, I watched uh, the United and the Palace game, the only two games I've seen of you. Obviously, you have that great result against Blackpool in the Cup, which part of you obviously expected, but hey, it's it's, it's important to go to the next stage. When you look, when I looked at the Palace I'm game... Just one second. I'm good, yeah. A little bit staticky, but near clear. Is it still... Oh, no, no, you're good. On. No, Give me one second. No, you were good, good then. Yeah, yeah. I keep you updated, yeah, mate. But um, I, in terms of yeah, the yeah, the yeah, in terms of the Palace game, I think the one thing I thought I thought to be honest, it, you look a bit solid going forward for a change. Which uh, for for Wolves the last couple of years, I think it's been an issue for you. Yeah. I think where it's breaking down for you is probably your defensive shape. I think you just look a bit. I don't know whether it's concentration because I think you've got some good players there. I think it was you. You lost Collins, obviously, uh, over the summer. You know, very talented young centre-back. Uh, it's a shame to obviously lose him. But in terms of defensively, are you a bit worried? Because you know, transfer-wise, you weren't able to get enough done. So what, what are your thoughts in that respect? Yeah, I mean, uh, the reason that we stayed up last season, the main two reasons was our home form and our ability to, to keep clean sheets, especially at home. Mm. So it is strange that we it just seems to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it does seem strange that it's flipped somewhat, that we do perhaps look a bit more promising going forwards. But at the same time, in, in two matches, we've conceded three goals in the second half, mm. three goals very quickly. I think there's an argument, and perhaps we'll see this on Saturday, where he'll go back to a back three. And I know from his time at Bournemouth, Gary O'Neill alternated between a three and, and a four. Yeah. So I think to shore things up, he'll bring Totti Gomez in and go to a, to a back three. And maybe that's what we need to do. We're not going to outscore teams. We're not strong enough going forwards to do that. Mm. But what we did prove last season is that we can be hard to beat. So I think you've got to get a solid foundation and then build from there. Yeah, I think, uh, sorry, just to, just to touch on that yes. one more, the tangents Ben was talking about pre-conversation. Uh, pre um, but just touching that on a bit more, I, in terms of the transfers that you've done, in, in this time over the summer, you know, we're talking about obviously you, you, the players that you brought in, but the players you've let go of, you've let go of uh, th- three players that I'd argue were vitally important. You have Raul Jimenez. I know he wasn't in, himself once he returned from his injury, which is obviously a shame. And then Ma- um, Matthias Nunes as well. So in terms of the club and the fan base itself, how do you feel about the squads that you have going into the season? I think we were always prepared that this summer was going to be challenging. We spent quite a bit in January. People often forget that. You know, we spent uh, £43 million on Matthias Cunha. Mm. So um, that was necessary, though, because we were probably going to go down without that. Yeah. So that's the backdrop that we're coming into the summer with. And then we get this message from, from Jeff Shee, uh, our chairman, to say that we're in big danger of falling foul of FFP. It's interesting because I know that Everton have got a charge against them at the moment, and I think Man City as well. But no other clubs seem to be so blatantly obvious that they're so worried about it compared with us. Yeah. So we were we were told as fans pretty much don't expect a net spend. There's going to be outgoings. We need to we need to balance the books because we're teetering very close to that 105 million pounds that mm. can't exceed as in terms of losses in three years. So we pretty much knew Neves was going as much as we would have loved him to stay. Mm-hmm. accepted that you mentioned the Nunes transfer as well we've made a very healthy profit on him in 12 months and last season as encouraging as we thought he might be you know in, in spells one goal 
one assist. Those are the hard facts, really. Can I just touch on Nunes just real quick? It almost felt inevitable because I don't know what you saw from a Wolves perspective, and obviously we'll get on to the game in, in a few moments, but when you signed Mateus Nunes, on our end, we all read reports from very reliable people saying that he's basically going to do a year at Wolves and at this point of time, a year back, it, it looked like he was going to come to us the following season. Obviously, something happened along the way, and for whatever reason, we we withdrew the interest. But is it right in saying that Wolves fans were always prepared to, you know, only have him for a year? Maybe two years. I think that's what I thought. Um, we always knew that based on his reputation, and Pep Guardiola came out and said he's one of the best midfielders in the world, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. So it was a major coup, really, for us to get him in the first place. Without, I mean, it was quite a big fee for a club of our size, but it wasn't like it was 60, 70 million. I think it was 38, the initial fee that we paid for it. Yeah. So, yeah, to answer your question, we knew that we'd be a stepping stone unless we managed to get back into the Europa League ourselves. Mm. But we probably thought we'd get another year out of him. But I think this FFP concern has hastened, hastened the matter. And actually, mm. with him going on strike, you know, um, just before he moved to Man City, I think it's probably not a bad deal for us. And, and getting Tommy Doyle in return um, at a really cheap price, I think it's probably good business on the whole, although it's sad to see him not, you know, fulfil his potential at Wolves. Yeah, listen, Doyle's a great signing as well. I think, you know, he was one of the ones coming through with Palmer at City. I must admit, I'm surprised City let go of Doyle and Palmer in the mm. same window. Yeah. I'd I know a lot of people think, you know, City just buy whatever they want, but I think letting go of Palmer and Doyle was surprising because I think it was those two and Foden were the kind of young lads coming through that everyone looked at from a City perspective. I know because one of my mates is a City fan. Uh, he doesn't shut up about it. He's like, no, we have youth prospects as well. Trust me. Not anymore. Uh, but but um, So it was surprising, but I think he is a good signing for you. I think you, you mentioned something there that I just want to touch on briefly. Your chairman coming out with that statement. I think a lot of times when clubs are in disarray, I remember when we had Hicks and Gillette and our club was in an absolute shambles, the the chairman doesn't come out. The chairman doesn't talk. It, it, it's very, if anything, they'll try and dismiss it. And they'll be like, no, we're trying to just run our club the right way. So for a chairman to come out and say, say something along these lines where it's quite nail on the head with it, really, you know, if we don't sell the clubs in an awful position, how much did that scare you as a fan? Yeah. Um, I, I appreciated the honesty, first of all, mm. But we probably didn't realise perhaps how precarious the situation was. Right. And it, there's also this confusion about we can't be the only club that has made similar losses like that over a three-year period. We can't be in the Premier League. And it just makes me wonder about um, why we're taking it really to the letter when other teams are... I mean, you can think of people like Chelsea, for instance, mentioned mm. Everton already. They seem mm -hmm. to be keep pushing and pushing and pushing the boundary. Yeah. Whereas our chairman wants us to absolutely, under no circumstance, break any rules. So it just makes me wonder about, we haven't seen yet, what's the punishment going what's to be yeah. for an Everton? You know, so... Well, I think on that, sorry, sorry to cut across you again, but like, I think on that in general, it's, it's an interesting bit uh, issue. Because I think, right, your chairman's doing the right thing. He's being forthright. He's trying to deal with the situation as is. But I suppose when you look at an Everton who it's almost like uh, act now and ask for apologies later. Don't get me wrong, it's not worked for them by any means. Uh, they're not in any better position as a result. But and the Chelsea one, they're, they're smart with it, but they're not. They, they use the contract length to kind of work around it. 
because about how much you're losing per season rather than you know what I mean. So they lengthen out to seven, eight years, and you uh, respectfully you won't see someone signing an eight year contract with Wolves. I don't see anyone signing one with Liverpool, and um, so it's it's it is a frustration. I think right now Wolves maybe are playing the smart game to be honest in terms of ownership because when Everton get punished and they will, it's about how they're punished. Is it going to be a points deduction? And a club in that position can't afford a points deduction. It will, it'll scupper any chances you have in the future. So we'll, we'll move on. But there's a whole conversation there that to be had at some point for sure. I mean, yeah, you could talk about talk about this stuff all day. You could almost do a whole podcast on it. But um, let's get back to the football and uh, we'll give Dave a little break. We'll talk about Liverpool for a couple of moments. Mike, I'm not going to spend too long on this because we've obviously covered every Liverpool game so far. We've covered every single preseason. Um, but yeah, just thoughts, mate, so far. We're four games in. We sit on 10 points out of 12. You know, we've, we've had this conversation before, but just for the sake of this podcast, um, you know, if we said at the start of the summer, like after those fixtures came out, that after the first international break, Liverpool will be sat on 10 points out of 12. You know, we've won at Stam- Stamford Bridge. At the Newcastle, we drew at Stamford Bridge, which are two of the toughest away games, I, I think. Um, and then the other results against Villa, who are pushing, well, that's what people said at the start of the season, for a sort of top seven or eight finish. And then obviously Bournemouth, everyone expects us to beat them. But the way we did it with 10 men as well. Um, yeah, just summarise it, mate, so far. And what can we take into this Wolves game from what we've seen? I think thus far, I don't want to jinx it, but I think the best thing is the performances have been convincing. So it's not like we've played in like last season. I'm sure you know Paul probably watched it with a bit of a smile on his face, as as you should when any big team starts stumbling a little bit. The, when the performances, the yeah, well, yeah. Well, listen, I didn't want to bring it up, <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think re- realistically, it's it's good. I think it was very concerning last year, just in terms of performance. There was a lack of energy. There was a lack of work uh, uh, rate being put in by a lot of the players, and it's just a lack of desire, just in general. Yeah. And I think this season. The individuals who potentially could have been scapegoated for that have been removed from the squad, whether it was just them or not. Um, and you can see this refreshed energy within the team. Within... Scapegoat, mate. They, trust me, it's Joel Matip at the minute, apparently. Well, they're, they're, they're on the hunt for a new scapegoat. Listen, that's that. as with any fan base, as again, I'm sure Wolves have theirs. Like, you know, Liverpool Robertson fans... as well is a big one. Robinson's a big one. I, I, I take issue with that personally. I, I don't know where it is. I'm very invested in Robertson as a player. <laughs> but like, we bought him for £8 million. He's just been nothing but brilliant. Um, and to be honest, in terms of players that were playing the heart, heart out last season, he was still doing it. Even if they weren't good performances, he was still trying. Um, but yeah, listen, fans will always look for another scapegoat. Again, conversation for another time. But in terms of performances, I think we played fantastically well. I think McAllister and Sabaslai both look like brilliant signings. I think Kwanzaa has made a good couple of appearances and uh, looks solid. I think Enzo still needs uh, time to bed in. I think we'll see the best of him in the Europa League games. And I'm not concerned. I think he put a great performance in against Germany as well, which was great to see. Mm-hmm. Um you know, everyone looks sharp. Nunes looks the best I've seen him. Nunes looks the best I've seen him. And it, it, that's obviously very exciting. And I I do hope we start it. I know we won't start him because he's been playing in South America. But I hope he gets a good run of games now, coming up thick and fast. Yeah. And uh, listen, it's I think what's fantastic is it's hard for uh, some negative fans to find a scapegoat at the moment because of how well everyone's pro- playing. I think that's always a good sign. Exactly. Uh, just before I give my two cents, uh, Swifty, yes, we are doing that. We finish on that, actually. Um, so stick around. Stay tuned for that. I'm going to let Mike do it, and then I'll tell him on what he's wrong. Um, and so uh, stick around. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, but yeah, though, no, I echo what you've just said there, Mike. Uh, the things we wanted to see 
um, come back into this Liverpool team from you know what we've been accustomed to over the last five or six years with Jurgen Klopp. We saw, we've seen so far, and I know it's only four games in, and you know everything can go pear shaped towards wood. Um, but we've seen the pressing, we've seen Liverpool just blitzing teams going forward, um, defending. There could be a couple things to improve on. You know, Trent. It's not necessarily been his defending and fairness. It's been more of his concentration. You know, giving mm. balls balls away in silly areas. But um, that's the positive for me. Like we're ten points out of twelve. We've not lost the game yet, and there's still room for a lot of improvement. And I think yeah. that's a a big thing. So I'm very happy. I'm confident again. It's really nice to be confident in this Liverpool team once again because there was a point last season where whether I was going to games or whether I was watching them at home, there just came a point where it just felt like I'm just going to watch and whatever happens, happens. Like I don't really have, you know, any sort of um, encouragement by this team or any optimism. I just watched it and saw what happened. And if we won, amazing. If we lost, it is what it is. But um, this season now, it just feels like every game we play, I'm going into it thinking, oh, we're going to do something here. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant to have that feeling back once again. Um, mm. Let's come back to, to Dave. And I remember a Wolves game last season. I went to a couple of them. We The one we won 2-0 at Anfield, the FA Cup game, um, and then also the first game at your ground with Harvey Elliott. Um, so I, what I remember from one of the games last season um, I think Lopetegui was just appointed. And this is what I want to touch on now because it seems for me, looking in from the outside, that the fans like had already taken to Lopetegui straight away. They were singing his name. Um, there was just a sense of excitement I could feel from your away fans. And obviously he, he was sacked before the season started. And um, sorry, you're, you're Paul, aren't you? <laughs> I just realised I called you Dave. I was too polite um, to correct you. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. George I, just I said it uh, privately to me. Um, but, um, yeah, it seemed like you'd you'd taken him in and all the, the Wolves fans were buzzing for him. And also, he's just been sacked before the start of the season. So, what was that like? Was it expected? And also, what can, um, what can the new manager do to sort of turn things around? Yeah. I mean, you said about that optimism from last season. Absolutely. I mean, Molyneux was a fortress since uh, Lopetegui came in and we lost to Man United just before New Year. But then our last nine home matches, we won seven out of them, keeping seven clean sheets, which, you know, that's the kind of home form that you guys have, not us. So we did feel really optimistic and mm. I felt we were punching above our weight, getting, and I think people bandy around the term world-class manager easily. But if you're manager of Real Madrid, and if you're manager of Spain and you managed Spain for two years and you don't lose a single match, for me, that's a sign of a world-class manager. Yeah. I, th- so I think you, you're world. right. You, If he was doing this in Spain, if he took a team in Spain and replicated the exact same performance and form, you'd have British clubs and fans of teams over here calling for him, without a doubt. And I, th- I think you're well within your right to say that. I think just to clarify for a comment we had there about uh, the sacking of uh, Lopetegui, do you want to just explain that for people who are unaware in terms of the reason why that happened? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a bit more of a mutual thing, yeah. first of all. Uh, I don't think we can outright say that he was sacked. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there were some murmurings towards the end of the season, actually, um, that he wasn't quite happy. And personally, I think, again, like you said, with Nunes, he might have been using us as a bit of a stepping stone. 
It was strongly linked with the Tottenham vacancy early on. The the pundit Guillaume Balagay is very good friends with him. And he was kind of mm. hawking him around a little bit on Twitter, which the Wolves fans really took exception to. Because mm. at that point, he'd taken us from bottom of the league at Christmas to comfortably safe in the end. So we were obviously really happy with the job that he did. But then early on in the summer, and it, it got worse and worse, there were these rumblings that he wasn't happy because he wasn't going to have any money to spend. Despite selling Neves, despite selling players like Collins, he was told that that money was not available for him to go and spend money on because we just needed to address this loss that we have. So he informed um, Jeff Shee just before we played Celtic in pre-season, I think, there was some agreement reached. And he stayed in the post for about two weeks or so until Gary O'Neill was confirmed. So mm. I guess it ended up being fairly amicable. He wanted to leave and the fans here and the chairman, I think they were quite unhappy with how he'd spoken out, giving unauthorised interviews as well to Guillaume Balagay. Yeah. Well, Basically been a bit of a moaner. Mm. So it all end, it all ended okay in the end, but for a while it was... Um, it's a bit toxic. Loggerheads, yeah. Yeah, but from the outside looking in, it was a story I was weirdly invested in. I don't know why, because yeah. I don't know any Wolves fans, but I thought it was just an interesting one to watch because you have, as you say, you have this manager that proved himself throughout last season. I think you, you guys as fans loved him and wanted him to stay, but it felt similar to the Conte thing at Tottenham where his relationship with the owner was just breaking down in front of the media's eyes and the more public he could get it, the better, because I think he was trying to put pressure on to get funds, which unfortunately never came and he made the move that he had to make, <laughs> but... It's one of those, isn't it? I think you still worked out well, though. I think Gary O'Neill's a good manager, and I do think you guys will mm. comfortably stay up again this year. I do believe so. Yeah, I remember when he left Bournemouth as well. Like, we talk about shocks. I think that was a big shock. Um, yeah. You know, because he'd done very well. Where did Bournemouth finish last season? It was comfortable. That's for sure. Below mid-table? Yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. below mid-table. So, um, yeah, I think that was a big shock, because obviously at the start of the season, everyone's tipping Bournemouth to go down, you know, sort of yo-yo club. Um, but they became a team that, you know, was actually pretty tough to beat especially away from home as uh, me and Mike know but um, yeah it's um, a few shocks there I mean like I say I remember all the fans um, absolutely buzzing about him singing his name for the pretty much the yeah. entire game and after so obviously it seemed like the fans loved him and you know something obviously gone up gone up upstairs um, yeah let's talk about the game then this Saturday we've spoken about everything surrounding both clubs Um Dave, I'm going um, to come straight back to you, Paul. You know what it is, right? I'll tell you why I'm going to call you Dave. I originally wrote these notes for Dave. Yeah. And now yeah, he's in charge notes. of our podcast. So. Yeah. If you don't know, guys, Dave, who um, was originally supposed to come on, these notes were written for him. That's why I keep saying Dave. I'm reading my notes. We prefer um, Paul. We prefer Paul. Yeah. I'm a Paul fan. I've always been a Paul, Paul fan. Uh, <laughs> I apologise. I'm not doing a Chelsea thing and calling him Dave when his name's not Dave. You know, that whole thing they do with us. I don't know what that's about. But, um, <laughs> so silly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul. There we go. Uh, I'll come back to you, mate. I don't want to cast your mind back to last season. Um, and this is going to be a bit painful for me and Mike. You battered us 3-0. Uh, Neves, uh, Nunes, and who else scored in that day? Craig Dawson. I think the Craig first goal Dawson, was an own goal, actually, from Matic. Oh, was it? Oh, Classic. yeah. Classic. Yeah, it uh, but do you think, going back to that game, that Wolves can cause, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but another upset? Or are you thinking this time, 
it could be the other way. Well, you're right to say, you know, cause an upset because it would be. I mean, who's mm. who's predicting us to win on, on Saturday? You've started off the season in great form. We've lost 4-1 at home to Brighton, uh, 3-1 to, to Palace. So yep. you could be in a position where you could pick us off on Saturday. But having said that, we played so well at Man United. And I don't know if it's because they maybe gave us a bit more freedom, a bit more space. Um we exploited them and we should have we should have taken something from that game and they're crap as we well. Yeah. I mean they <laughs> not taking anything away from you, but they're absolutely yeah. terrible. <laughs> and, and as you mentioned, you know, we we did save our best performances really against the bigger sides last season. We beat yeah. Chelsea at ours, we beat Spurs, beat Aston Villa, yourselves. So how can we hurt you? I guess I guess if you if you give players like Cunha and Pedro Neto space, we can we can hurt you because that's yeah. what Man United did and it nearly cost them and it should have cost them. Mm. But equally, if you if you score first, I think we would then have a bit of a mountain to climb because I can't remember hardly any occasions where we've come from behind to win. I think it was maybe once since Christmas that we've done that. So yeah, give us give us space on the counter attack, and I think we could cause you problems. But other than that, you know, I mean, if you offered me a draw now, I'd be I'd snap your hand off for a draw. Just before we go to Mike, um, you mentioned Pedro Neto there, and this is an absolutely shameless plug for myself. Um, but I've, I'm a big fan of Pedro Neto. It goes back from 2020 and. I did a tweet, Padre Neto will be a top player, being brilliant for all so far this season. And there was another tweet where I had to uh, give my favourite player from all the clubs and then the non-Big Six club. And my non-Big Six club was Padre Neto, and that was 2021. Um, I think, obviously, it's pretty clear why he's not really gone on to the heights, which I think plenty would have, and that's down to injuries, right? Yeah, Even though he's still a talented player, clearly. Yeah, two yeah. different injuries, and he was our player of the year in the in the lockdown season. Yeah, blistering pace, direct, great left foot, um, chipping in with goals, assists. He tried to come back last season, and we didn't really see the best of him. This season, he does look like he's back to his old self. He got some minutes for Portugal in the international break. Mm. He's got more assists already this season than any player from Wolves last season. He's on wow. three assists. That's mad. That's, that's a fact. Kind of, says more about uh, the other players than it does him, I think. Uh, but listen, I think that's great. I, Neto was one of those players outside looking in. I was always a fan of, and I'm I'm glad that he's finding his form. I, he's not injury prone. I think he's just had two bad injuries. Does that make yeah. sense? I agree. That's, yeah, yeah. So I think that's exactly what it what it feels like, and that's a shame because I think they always seem to happen to the play the, the players you least want it to. You know, not that you want any player to get injured, but Neto is just. He's a real good talent. He's only still young. He's only 24, 25, right? Or is he a bit older than that now? No, I think I think 23 or, or 24. And what when we see the best of him for me is when he plays on the left. His right mm. foot is weak. I want to see him going at his fullback, going on the outside and whipping crosses in. Yeah. When we have Kalajic on the pitch as well, um, you know, it does it's quite an, an old-fashioned combination, but yeah. it's one I think that can be effective for us. 
Absolutely. And Mike, and go back to the game, mate. And I'm going to ask for your opinions on how you think it's going to pan out. But George, he says here, and this is what I want you to discuss. We played Thiago and an 18-year-old Bacetic and a wash. I'm not reading that bit out because I, I love Naby Keita. I refuse to read. Oh, the, read it out loud sentence. and accept no. the truth. Versus Wolves last season. Yes. And this time will be different. Mike, what are you saying, mate? Are you saying that with... Um, I don't even know who's going to be the midfield. We'll get on to that. But with, mm. you know, a, a better team, you could say less injuries, but let's not forget we have got some big absences this this coming Saturday. But do you think it's going to be a completely different story from last season at Molyneux? I, th- I think it's going to be a different type of game. I, I'm always sensitive to ever say a different type of outcome. But I think it's going to be a very different type of game because I think both sides have different midfields, like very different midfields especially in terms of calibre. I, I think you look at Wolves midfield last season, two of your, two of your three midfields aren't there anymore. You, you had Neves and Nunes, neither are there. They were, you know, Neves specifically has been so crucial to Wolves for so many years and he's not there anymore. Um, who, what would you say your starting midfield is currently? Paul? We're going to get onto it. We're going to get onto it. But is it, it, do you want it, to do that now? No, I know yeah. what their usual is. Their usual, not their, not their, not their so thing. In but... the last game they played Lamina and Gomez as a, Two Lamina, that's the one I was going to go on to. Lamina has always caused Liverpool problems when he's played against play, played against us, right? Genuinely has. You can look back and you can see it. I'm not saying they're going to win by any means, but he's a he's a box to box powerful midfielder, very good high pressing, and he's mm-hmm. also got a shot on him, right? And I think don't get me wrong, I think if we end up playing, you know, Savasly Jones, Gravenberg, or Savasly Jones, uh, uh, Gravenberg will start. To be honest, well, we'll we'll see. He's had two we weeks under his belt training, so you never know, but. Well, if that let's say that's the midfield, I mean, well, to some effect, I do think we still have a stronger midfield. I do think we'll overpower them. But I think where Wolves are going to potentially look good against us will be on the break because I'm not sure about any of the midfielders as defensive midfielders. Well, not without McAllister because McAllister won't be in there. I think McAllister's done very well when he's filled in in that role. Endo, I don't know. Away from home, I don't know whether I'd start him. So if that's Gravenberg, Jones and Sabasly, I don't know, it could be very interesting. And obviously, we, we know we're susceptible to the counter-attack. And then you look at our defence currently, what it could be. We'll look at that later. So, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm still very confident. I do think our front three will look very good against Wolves' defensive line. I, like I mentioned earlier, I think the, your defensive shape is a weak point. I think with the pace that we have, no matter who we play in that front three, it, it's going to be interesting. I think if you start with a back five, to be honest, though, I think you'd shoot yourself in the foot because you'd be given all the room in, in the midfield to Sly and whoever we have, and Trent as well. You don't want to give room to Trent on the ball. Um, if anything, you want to put pressure on him, so you'd want that extra body in midfield. But it, obviously, listen, I'm no tactician. I'm a, I'm a sofa football football fan, you know what I mean? But we'll see how I it goes. I think it's going to as well, but I doubt Trent's going to be playing. Yeah, that's because true. everyone's saying, like, oh, he's back in training, but it was only last week Paul Joyce said that he's out for three weeks. Very so true. So you might not even see Trent. Only a week's gone, not. and now everyone thinks because he was there today, he's going to play. It's like, let's hey, get straight He might into not. Mm. But go on, what do you think? I'm just going to get straight into it with Paul, to be honest. Um, it's what the people want, and we want to give the people what they want. So, Paul, I mentioned putting you on the spot. Um, yeah. I'm assuming this isn't the lineup, the formation you want. I mean, based on what you just said, you know, does it give the initiative when you play? Um, a back three instead of a back four. But I think there's a lot of Wolves fans that quite want us to go back to the formation that was so effective for us under Nuno, which was a 3-4-3 in effect with two central midfielders, um, three at the back. 
and an attacking three. Um, back in the day, Traore, Jimenez and Jota, you know, that was so effective for us. Yeah. So I would be tempted because I think we've got the right wing back personnel to play that kind of formation again. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's go through it. So is this up to date? Yes, that's up to yeah. date. So it'll be starring goal. There we go. And left centre back, I wouldn't be surprised if you brought Totti Gomez in. He's in the Portugal squad, um, big fan favourite, and a lot of people calling for him to come in to shore things up. So then I think he'll play Kilman in the middle and Dawson to the right, and that's your back three. And you mentioned earlier, Mike, about pace. Liverpool have that in abundance, and I think without Totti, you know, we we might struggle there. So mm. I think he'll bring Totti into try and address this lack of pace issue. That's a fair point. And then I think he'll go, uh, if you want to start on left wing back, I think he'll start uh, Reinhardt Nuri. I love him, by the way. Yeah, he's he's a talented player. We, we yet to see him be really consistent for a prolonged period of time, but he is a young lad, mm. highly rated, and I think, mm. you know, under the right coach, he can only continue to improve. Yeah, I think he works best in the back five. You know what I mean? He's he's not like a natural left back, but I think left wing back bombing up and down. He's, I like him a lot. Like I think the modern day left back, isn't he? More yeah, more than a traditional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're right. Earlier, it's likely to be Lamina Ja Gomez as the two midfielders. Neither are really attack minded, but I think if you're going to play a three four three, then you need people to really occupy the centre of the pitch and not get stretched. Mm. We were linked with Gomez for a long time as well, by the way. And Mario Lamina, I believe, this summer. That's, yeah. That was doing the rounds at our end, that Mario Lamina was a late target for Liverpool. That's when we were linked with everyone, mate. To be honest, yeah, they were linked think, with me and Ben. I think the Gomez one goes back to um, when he was at... Who was it from Brazil? Uh, F- Flamengo, was it? Flamengo, that was it, yeah. I think even Fabricio kept, um, kept tweeting about it as well, to be fair, saying that we were interested in him, but obviously... Nothing materialised, but um, who are we going for here then, mate? Matt Doherty needs to come in for me. Samedo's one good game, one bad game. And for me, Matt Doherty deserves his chance. He scored two goals in the Cup against Blackpool. He's perfectly suited to this formation. Perfect. And then then Pedro Neto, wide left. Pedro Neto. And then down the middle, for me, even though he's not a number nine, a bit like Roberto Firmino, really, I'd play Cunha but I wouldn't have him up against the, the two centre-backs. Mm. And then on the right, probably our best goal scorer at the moment, Huang Yi-chan. So that front three does look like it could do something, Mike, to me. That's set up right on the break, yeah. I think, you know, really well. It's got a bit of pace in that front three, a bit of creativity. And I think that's a pretty solid um, kind of back back seven, if you like, taking mm. looking at that. So personally, that's what I would do on Saturday. Mm. Mike, what are your thoughts on that, mate? This is what I was talking about before with uh, the, them on the break. I think, you know, now especially seeing it visually, maybe five at the back isn't a bad decision, actually. <laughs> I think yeah, Matt Matt Doherty and uh, the fullback, uh, there's a fullback on the left-hand side, rather, um, both, you know, on the break, brilliant. The only reason Matt Doherty didn't work out at Tottenham was he didn't play five at the back. He's a, he's a good player. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't play in the right formation of Spurs. My mum's a Spurs fan, trust me. My mum was wow. fuming at it every time. You know what I mean? So, and then you've got the front three, Cunha, Neto, Huang. 
I've not. I've got to be honest. I've not seen much of Cunha, so I can't really make a comment on him as a player. But if he's able to play the false nine well, you drop him back on whoever we're playing as a six, or make him put pressure on if we play the inverted fullback. It's. It looks good. It, it does look very good on the break. Their only issue is getting the ball off us to break. That's going to be the thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, Cunha's um, got minutes for Brazil over the international mm-hmm. break, which tells you about how highly they rate him. And he's a player that thrives on driving forward with the ball. Yep. saw that in the Man United game. So, yeah, he Your could be, point be the right-hand side. Your weakest point will be the right-hand side. I think uh, Matt Doherty is very good, as I say. But I think him and Dawson, I don't think there's enough pace there. I think Dawson's a good centre-back and he reads the game well. But if, let's say, we get you on the break, um, sustained yeah. pressure, a corner, set-piece routine, because you will put your men forward for it, that's that's mm. where we're likely to get you most on that side. So if we end up playing Diaz there, not that I think we will, but if we were to, you know, it's very exciting all the same. But we'll see how it goes. That's a fair comment. Perfect. Um, there we go then, guys. That is the team that Paul selected that he thinks is best suited to play against us on Saturday. And now, unfortunately, Liverpool don't have this on their official side. This is amazing. Wolves, this is generally Wolves' website. Uh, I, look at what we have to deal with. This is our, <laughs> this is our version. The quality like, drop. It's just mad. Uh, people will probably blame FSG for this, won't they, Mike? The <laughs> yeah, well, this list, John W. And you've just lost everyone that's watching this now. They, they've all left. <laughs> um, yeah, so shout out. This is Anfield. We always use their um, squad builder. And also there's a few articles down there. If you check them out, I guess you can go read those. Um, Mike. All right. I'm going to build this Ali team. Anyway. Yeah, listen, Ali and Goal. I'll let everyone know that I'm building this team with the, the preface or the belief that our South Americans won't play and that Trent is injured, okay? So that's how I'm building this team, to keep in mind. So the back four would be Robbo left-back, as we know. Is Canate still injured or is he ready? Canate was training today. I'm going to take that as a sign that he's going to be ready. So it would be mm-hmm. Matip and Canate, Gomez right-back. Although, personally, I'd probably start Kwanzaa. I wouldn't want to rush Canate Are you back. bothered about what side these two play no. on? Or no, no, that's... no, no. Okay. That's probably the sides they'll play on, to be honest. Joe Gomez at right. Joe Gomez right back. Your midfield three would be, I think, I might be wrong, but I think it's going to be Gravenberg. In the holding? Yeah. Again, I, I don't know whether I'll be right, but I think it's going to be Gravenberg. I think it's going to be Sabasly. Yeah, right-hand side. <laughs> and then I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think it'll be Jones. Okay. I think Endo will be on the bench there. And I think the front three, Salah obviously on the right, picks himself. No Ben Doak. <laughs> yeah, he played pretty well, didn't he? Um, down the middle, Cody Gakpo. He scored on the international break twice. Looked mm-hmm. very good. On the left-hand side, I think we'll see Diego Jota. What do you think? I'm not confident. <laughs> Look, no, no, no. I said this on the space yesterday. Um, any... Look, I... I was Virgil's biggest critic last season, right? Because I know how good he is and I know how good he can play. Mm. But I said on a space yesterday, no matter who the opposition is, when he's not in the lineup, I won't be confident. Like, not fully. And I know we've had big wins without him. You know, fine, whatever. Um, But I don't know. I just think he he brings something into that defence. Even when he's he's on an off day, like, he he has that. I don't want to say it because it's so just... Everyone aura. You want to say cliche. aura? Yeah, he's got the aura, the presence. Um, 
you know, attackers used to run away from him. And I know he's not on that level that he was, but I still think he can get back there. I still think he can be the best in the world, which I, I still think he is yeah. on his day. He's obviously just had a bit of a rough spell. Um, but also, you know, no Trent. I'm looking at that team now and I'm looking at three players that I think would be key for the creativity. Um, and they are Saboslai, Salah, Gakpo. Um, maybe Jones as well to some extent. But Trent is so key to everything we do. And, you know, people, again, will criticise him until the cats come home. But when he's not there, the people that criticise him all of a sudden think, oh, no, we don't have Trent now. And there's a big difference because when Trent sees a ball that nobody else in our team can see apart from Thiago Alcantara or maybe Soboslai as well at this stage, you know, Gomez... With all due respect to him, he's been really good this season. He's not going to be able to play those 40-odd diagonals. And that is a, a big, big problem for me because a lot of our attacks this season have come from Trent with the ball, finding that space and playing it long to Salah or to the other wing. And people will say, oh, it's hoofball. It's not because Trent, more times than not, when the space is there, the pass is, is perfect. So I think we lose a lot from that. Um, I still think it's enough to beat Wolves, but I don't think it's going to be like a, a big win, especially with it being half 12 on Saturday, the worst time to kick off. Um, and we we have history, don't we, Mike, going back through the years. The first game after international break, it can be a bit tough to watch. But yeah. like I said, mate, I think there's enough, especially in that front three, there's firepower in there. Gakpo, um, if this is the, the lineup we see, he's not going to be playing in midfield, which is where he's been playing this season so far. Um, so it'll be nice to see him up front again or in the false nine, whatever. Uh, but yeah, are you are you entirely convinced by that team? I have the same uh, same qualms you do. Oh, I yeah. think, you know, I've put Gravenberg there. It will likely be end though. I put Gravenberg there because I just want to see him play. As anyone wants to see any new sign in play, I I think for me we'll even though we'll miss Trent, I think we won't miss him as much as we used to because we have a lot more composure and creativity in the midfield. You know, even with McAllister not necessarily being in there, obviously we don't necessarily know, but we expect the South Americans to not start. Uh, especially I think with being back really in the training and stuff tomorrow, I believe. Yes, so it's be just sort of it's whoever, on yeah, the bench. Yeah. Here's what you imagine, isn't it? You imagine they'll all be on the Our bench will look very strong on Saturday, I tell you now. Um, but I think, listen, you look at Sabasla, you look at Jones, Gravenberg, even maybe Harvey Elliott comes in, Endo comes in. They, these are midfielders that they've got energy, they've got quality, they've got the ability to unlock a defence. You know, Swifty makes a great point there about Elliott. And we don't play through our fullbacks anywhere near as much as we used to either. Uh, mm. well, you know, we play a lot through, more through our midfield now. So, although missing Trent is a is a loss, I, I still see enough balance in that team and enough balance in the squad that will be available against Wolves to cause an issue. I think if you do play three at the back, us playing Gakpo is a good counter to that because it will draw mm. a bit of you know a bit of confusion in the centre backs. Whoever you're playing centrally to deal with him, you can create a bit of space. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but I think it's going to be a good game to watch. I do think that. Hopefully, mate. Hopefully. And um, guys, we're going to wrap up in a, in a couple of moments. But obviously, like in TAT pod tradition, we have to finish with our predictions. So coming to the guest first, Paul, what is your bold prediction, mate, for Saturday? Surely you're not going to back your team to lose. No, I'm not. I no, mean, good, good I think man. it's worth me saying I'm not expecting us to win by any stretch of the imagination. For us, the bigger games next Saturday, we're playing Luton. So if you offered a Wolves fan one win at the next two matches, they're going to take that instead, you know, the Luton win. Yeah. I think if we are going to win on Saturday, then we're not going to win by keeping 
we're not going to keep a clean sheet, so we've got to score two goals. So I'll say if we are going to win, it's going to be 2-1. Mm. Who's scoring? Go on, give us yeah, the goal. Scorer. Scores. I'll put uh, a bet on after this. So, <laughs> well, um, we were talking on our podcast this week. It's about time some of the defenders started chipping in. Craig Dawson's a goal scoring centre half, really. You know, that's yeah. what he's known for. Max Kilman's a big guy, six foot four, doesn't really get on the end of things. So maybe it's time for a defender to pop up with a goal. But I'm going to say that some of the guys that are, are called out earlier on in the, at the start of the programme. Cunha and Neto. I think mm. those have probably been our two best attacking players this season. So I'll say that they'll get a goal each. All right. 2-1. Here okay. we go. Paul has said 2-1. Mike, what are you saying, mate? We're going to get some revenge at Molyneux. Yeah, I'm going to go with... Uh, I mean, to be fair, last time I predicted, I said a Nunes hat-trick and he didn't even score. So uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was pretty off with my last prediction, wasn't I? Uh, I'll say this time, I'm going to say... Sorry, Paul. I'm going to say 3-0. I'm feeling weirdly confident. I think we're going to see goal scorers will be Sabasly again. I think Salah will get one. And You've got to say Jota, haven't you? Yeah, I'm going to say Jota. I'm going to say Jota. I've got to be on it. You know what I mean? He scored He scored the international break as well himself. So I'll say I'll say 3-0. Jota, Sabasly and Salah. And uh, probably, to be honest, judging off who's on VAR and refereeing, I'm going to say there'll be a dodgy penalty in there probably as well. I oh, know. Who is Correct. it? Correct, um, I'll find out. If I'm uh, right, it's Turney, isn't it? Oh, it could be. Pretty sure Turney's on VAR. I might be off. Turney's just... No, no, he's, he's known for dodging. Michael three. Oliver um, oh. has been appointed as a referee okay. uh, with Stuart... Stuart oh. Burt, Dan... Cook I was wrong. Still, I don't trust Michael Oliver anyway, so there you go. <laughs> the comments Wait, still the just check because this could be for last season. Uh, well, we have, we have, well, you've got a cracking, cracking record in the league at Molyneux I mean last season was a real yes, anomaly normally you beat us and we don't score mm. um, we've actually got a better record I think at Anfield you know in our Premier League meetings wow since we've, um, yeah I mean in, I've had a season ticket since 1991 I think that's the only time we've beaten you in the league last season in that period but well, admittedly, we haven't been in the Premier League. I think this is our ninth season in the Premier League in my lifetime. Mm. Wow. And uh, yeah, last season was an anomaly, wasn't it, really? Well, hopefully... Yeah, for back to the days so... where you had the likes of Dicko and... Um, is it, is it Sack? Sack Sacco, yeah, Benicophobi. They were a great front three yeah. for us. Benicophobi. What a boy. I love Tabalero. Oh, he was he was a menace. I remember there was a cup game a few years back. Ivan yes. Cavalero, I think, yeah. Helder Costa uh, as well, yeah. Helder Costa, yeah. Did Jamie O'Hara um, play for you a lot? Am I mad in thinking that? Yeah, he's a bit of a pantomime villain uh, with us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he did play for us for a while. Didn't um, like him or? The, no. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's, a long, there's a long story with him, but generally he's not exactly a fan's favourite. Yeah, Fair yeah. point. I don't like him as a pundit, um, I'll tell you that much. I'm actually going to go to VAR myself and I can confirm that it is Michael Oliver. There's been a few people in the chat saying Paul Tierney. It uh, says Paul Tierney right there. Yeah. He's on VAR. Um, okay. uh, it's Michael Oliver, the referee. And Mark Scholes. Don't know if there's any relation to Paul, but he's not to the game as well. <laughs> um, my prediction before we wrap up is I'm actually going to say 2-1 to Liverpool. I don't, 
I always say this, I'm quite pessimistic these days. I still back us to win. Um, well, I'm going to say 2-1. And like Paul said, I'm going to go with Diogo. Um, but he's going to get the... Is it going to be... A... I think we're going to go two up and then you're going to score um, second half sort of thing. So I'm going to say Diogo. I'm going to say Salah, of course. And for you, I'm going to say, obviously, Pedro Neto. I think brilliant player. Um, could definitely cause us a lot of issues. Georgie says 3-1. Gakpo, Salah, Jota, goal for all the front three. That would be... Very nice. Uh, Swifty says 4-0 win. Sorry, Paul. Salah gets two and Jota grabs one and Nunes off the bench. Listen, we've got a lot of time for Nunes' goals on this show. But um, guys, that's all we've got time for tonight. We're going to wrap up there. Thanks a lot for everybody that tuned in. And Paul, do you want to shout out where the people can find you, mate? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter, at Paul Mansell 10 um, Our podcast, our end, is Always Wolves. So if you wanted to ever tune in or interact with any of us, then you can get us through those channels. Yeah, there's a link to Always Wolves on YouTube in the description. But like um, like Paul said, you can also find them on Twitter with exactly the same name. It's very easy to find. Um, and obviously, you know where to find us, the Anfield Talk on Twitter. And um, me and the guys will be back on Saturday evening. I'm still undecided whether I'm going to the game, but the beauty for me is I only live an hour away from there, an hour, hour and a half. So... It's half 12. I'll be back in time for a match reaction in the evening. So we will be here, guys, on Saturday. Um, I'm assuming Mike will be here. He's always there, aren't you, Mike? Cheers. Yeah. No, apparently no life. There Unfortunately, he's always here. Uh, I but, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stream pressure as well, guys. Don't forget. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you on Saturday. Yeah. Take care. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.